This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik, a progress company. Hello and welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is Gaines Kurgison. Hey, this is Gaines. I'm a solutions architect out of Nashville, Tennessee. And we're going to be talking about how to be a six-figure developer. Uh, Gaines, you've been doing this uh, talk, How to Be a Six-Figure Developer, at uh, multiple conferences. Um, I've seen you actually give it as a workshop. Uh, give us a little overview of uh, what that talk's about. Yeah, the idea is uh, I've been doing solutions consulting for 12, 15 years, something around there, and uh, these are the things that I wish somebody had told me early on so I could have done a better job of building my own brand and building a career for myself outside of whatever work was handed to me next. So you're talking about building your own brand. Uh, people refer to that as uh, personal branding. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, t- give us a little uh, overview. What What is a personal brand exactly? So a lot of developers think of themselves as a collection of skills, the things that they've done in the past, their experience. Uh, but there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, an employer hires you for what you can accomplish for them, and that encompasses the kind of value you've brought to past employers, the kind of soft skills that you can leverage, there's a lot more to you than just a collection of technologies. So that's what we try to do is measure that and be able to convey that to others. So I, I kind of started doing this a little bit um, to get a hold of my career and try to you know put it on a new path. And uh, it, it the thing I like to compare it to might be a little odd, but uh, I have four kids, so uh, maybe you'll, you'll draw the line there. But... Um, my kids watch a lot of Nickelodeon and uh, Disney Channel, and the child actors are very inspiring because they can dance, they can sing, they can act. Uh, so I looked at my career and thought, okay, I'm coding, what else can I do? And I started writing and I started speaking. So is that something that you know, kind of aligns with what you're talking about? Sure, and I definitely encourage people to start blogs and to get into speaking if that's something they feel capable to do. Um, But it's a lot more than that, too. There are people all over the world who can do the coding aspect. Um, In fact, there are people who are much better than I am at every aspect of what I do technically. But there are a lot of things that I bring to the table that most developers don't. Uh, A comfort with talking to the business and talking to the end user and gathering requirements and problem solving. And a lot of the people who come to these conferences and to the user group meetings they're there because they're they're doing ongoing learning and they have a lot of these soft skills uh, and a lot of them don't realize that that sets them apart from the guys overseas who can take on uh, work but they don't have these other abilities. Uh, so what's the best way to let other people know that you have these abilities? Well, if you have the ability to communicate with others and, and have a rapport and uh, get up, you're willing to get up front and put yourself out there, then speaking is a great way to do that. And it doesn't have to be on a stage in front of 100 people. Uh, I talk about speaking to just people in your company, having lunch and learns, bringing information back from conferences and sharing that. Uh, Maybe participating in conversations like open spaces where you're not necessarily the focus, but you can play a leadership role. And that's really what, what it comes down to is thought leadership, trying to share things with people that they can then take and use and to better themselves. Uh, so do you have any advice for somebody that's at work, they, they don't have maybe a lunch and learn program already? How would they approach maybe their boss or management to get something like that started? Well, if they do have an opportunity to go to a talk uh, or, or they're learning something new, offering to share that with their team or other people in the company is a great 
starting point. And then you can figure out the logistics of the best way to do that. And sometimes meeting over lunch is a good way because you're not sacrificing productivity. And usually people are willing to give up their lunch hour as long as they can uh, get something out of it. So it, do you feel like uh, having a blog is maybe necessary these days or just uh, a good addition to uh, creating your personal brand and uh, becoming that six-figure developer? For those who are capable of sharing their thoughts and writing, uh, it's a great opportunity and a missed one if, if it's not seized to share what you're up to, uh, to get feedback from others. It almost acts as a resume to those who are more technical. You know, the, the paper resume becomes something to get you in the door, to, to get HR to recognize you might be a good candidate. But when you actually get in front of the technical folks, a lot of times if they looked at your blog, that gives them a great amount of insight into what you've been up to and what kind of level you've been working at. You know, when I think personal branding, I think uh, somebody going online maybe and searching my name uh, and my personal brand is, uh, you know, the things I've created online that, that Google finds as a reference. Um, things like, like you said, a blog, um, maybe sessions I've given. Um, what are some other things like maybe GitHub? Yeah, I'm, I'm really not very involved in the open source community, so I'm far from an expert on that topic. But that's another way, almost like a resume, that you can show what you're capable of by participating in open source projects or maybe even taking something that you've created at work and open sourcing it with the blessing of your employer. Now, <clears throat> uh, the way I approach personal branding um, is to try to get you know my name out in multiple places as much as possible. Uh, so uh, let's see, we, we covered blogging and speaking, uh, open source. Uh, how about Stack Overflow or Stack Exchange? Is that something you would recommend? I think anytime you can provide value by uh, either providing information people are looking for or connecting people with others who can provide that information, it's it's definitely worth doing. Uh, but at the same time, it's not all about as much exposure as you can get as targeted exposure. Uh, figure out where you want to be in your career and try to build your brand around that. So if, if I'm a general .NET developer and that's what I've been doing, but I really wanted to get, get into SharePoint development, I'm not necessarily going to try to, to publicize everything I do in .NET, but I'm really going to focus on anything I do related to SharePoint to build that brand about around what I'm trying to get to do. Um, do you have any advice for people that uh, want to, you know, create this kind of focus? What kind of tools, you know, do you use? Uh, what other avenues are there to get your your information in front of people? Well, if you don't have a blog, most people have a LinkedIn profile, and LinkedIn actually has a blogging engine. So rather than spin your wheels a lot trying to get a blog started. I recommend just going ahead and start writing on LinkedIn. You can always move that content elsewhere, but that that's way the actual system isn't in your way. You can go ahead and get started in, in creating the content. Uh, also, getting your own domain name is a pretty big one. Uh, domain names are cheap, uh, and you can not only set up your email against it, but you can host your resume. You can ha connect it to your blog. It's a single point of to bring all the information together about you online. So... In modern day terms, you know, the resume is kind of, uh, is it dead? Um, paper resumes, are they, are they still a thing? Or should I, you know, have a resume on, uh, like you said, get your own domain name and put it there? Um, what, are, what are some approaches I can use for resume, you know, in modern terms? I certainly have gotten away from using paper resumes. I do still on occasion bring them to interviews just in case the interviewer would appreciate having a copy and they might not have printed one. 
Uh, so often I'll now bring a tablet where I can bring up my resume and hand it to them just so I don't waste a lot of paper because the resume is going to change. Uh, but in my mind, it really is a digital property these days. And in that light, I, I don't really subscribe to a lot of the rules that applied when it was paper. For instance, I don't believe in single page resumes. I think you should put as much content that's going to be of value to the person reading your resume as, as is necessary. The important thing there, though, is to put the most important, uh, most prominent things at the top. So if, if you want them to see what skills you've worked with in the past, that should be right at the top of the resume. Um, if you put all your work experience first before a lot of that other vital information, then it can get lost and they may never reach it. And uh, how, how should I direct people there? Uh, are business cards still handy? Is print completely dead? Or do you think those things still have a place? A lot of people don't think about having their own business cards since companies often provide them. But it's a minimal cost to be able to have something that represents you. And then when you move from that employer to a new opportunity, it's still valid. All those connections that you made can still reach you. Uh, and I also don't believe in putting a lot of content on that card. Really, you just need contact information, such as phone number, name, and then your website address. That's where that domain comes in handy again. Because from there, they can get you to your Twitter and your blog and everything else that you might want to share. Okay. So you mentioned Twitter and their uh, social media. How does that fit into being a six-figure developer? I think it really depends on what kind of development you do. Uh, for people who are doing more single-page applications and more JavaScript, Twitter might be a lot more relevant than maybe somebody who's doing uh, more Windows Forms development. It's somewhat culture-specific, but it's definitely worth putting your accomplishments and what you're up to out there so that anybody who does use that method can uh, keep track of what you're up to and and be plugged into your brand. So you should try to you know at least be there in some capacity, uh, even if you're not like tweeting every day. At least uh, leave it as a method of you know contact for people. Right. I look at it as a matter of lost opportunity. If you go to the trouble of writing a blog article, it only takes a moment to tweet about it, and without if you don't tweet about it, you might miss out on some of that audience that could get some value from it. Um, are there other social media outlets that you could suggest or? feel they're necessary for creating a personal brand? Beyond Twitter and LinkedIn, I actually use Facebook a lot for professional connections. I do use groups on Facebook to be able to corral my personal versus my uh, professional life and target the correct audiences for the correct content. But I find that I, I create more, much more meaningful relationships when I connect with people on Facebook because I'm able to find common interests and really be a part of each other's lives. Now, when you talk about uh, you know becoming a six-figure developer, uh, making more money, um, what are some approaches that you can use to help advance yourself monetarily? Uh, how do you get from where you are now to uh, using these tools to get more money? The first and most important step is really understanding what your value is. So the best way to do that in my mind is actually to talk about it with others. Employers and recruiters, they know what we're worth. They talk to each other, they're informed, and then we're told we're not really supposed to discuss our salaries with each other because that's private information, which means we're the only ones in the dark. So there are sites like Glassdoor.com where you can look up reported salaries for different positions in different locations, and that can give you some great uh, general insight, but it still is no replacement for just talking to people around you, especially people who are in roles that you want to aspire to, to find out how they got there and what their path was. I found a lot of help with uh, recruiters as much as they get a bad name or a bad reputation. Um, uh, one thing I did is just uh, found a really good recruiter, uh, one that 
was actually involved in the community, one that came to our meetup groups uh, and knew the people rather than just, you know, the value of the people. Um, and I asked her for advice, um, not only just like on my resume, but uh, how much money I should be making in the position that I'm in, uh, you know, how to get to the next level, what, what the job market was like in our area, uh, things like that. And you'd be surprised uh, what kind of help you can get from a really good recruiter. Um, not just, you know, the ones that you receive spam from, but, you know, one that you can actually engage with uh, can give you a lot of leverage and help you get where you need to be. Absolutely. Pretty much anybody who you trust to give you uh, valuable insight is worth having that discussion. So say we've gone to a recruiter and our recruiter says, you know, you should be making this much money, um, but you're, you're not. Uh, so you need to approach maybe your boss or the company that you work for, uh, whether it's, you know, your supervisor, your HR. How do you convey to them uh, what your value should be and uh, maybe develop a plan for uh, HR to get you there? Sure. It can be difficult to claim that just because other people in the market are making a certain amount that you're worth that as well. And it's difficult to make that correlation based on skills since all our skills vary. I think what a better approach is is to measure the value that you've actually provided to your past employers or maybe even your current employer. I think the best way to do that is to look and see what the impact of your projects have been on the business. For instance, have you created efficiencies that's reduced the workload of employees and freed them up for other tasks? Have you increased profit in some way? One often overlooked benefit is reducing risk. So if you create redundancies in a system or you reduce technical debt, you've reduced the cost of the company and those can be very difficult to measure. So in each of those instances, you want to talk with the business and talk with the stakeholders about what kind of benefit they realized and try to quantify that. For instance, if you've reduced the workload of an employee who makes $50,000 a year by half their time and freed them up to do other things, you've effectively saved the company $25,000 a year. If you multiply that by all the work you've done over the year, you might be able to go to your employer and show them how your $100,000 salary is saving them $400,000 a year, and those are numbers they can take up the chain and demand a raise. Another thing that's important is to uh, look at the business that you're in. Uh, you know, as a developer, you you can be in you know a million different businesses, different uh, end products, so to speak. Uh, different processes uh, are used to either create the things you're creating. Um, you know, become an expert in those things, um, and then show that you're an expert. You know, a thought leader on those things within your business because. If you know your your business's products very well, uh, they they can find another developer, but they can't find another developer that knows the inside baseball that you know uh, and knows the products like you know them, and that can also increase your personal worth within the company. Absolutely, it's also a great avenue to end up with some consulting work if you ever do leave. For sure. So I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. Um, since we are at CodeStock 2015, uh, both of us actually are speakers here. We both have sessions, um, and speaking is a great opportunity to not only build your personal brand, but you know, get your name out there, and uh, that also can help uh, you know, uh, monetarily uh, from your employer once they see how valuable you are in the marketplace. So uh, maybe you could give us some tips about how... How did you get into speaking? How can someone else get into speaking if that's something they're interested in? 
Yeah, I think it's amazing how when you get up in front of a group of people, the amount of respect that you're given just right off the bat by the fact that you're willing to get up there and share something. Uh, and I am not a natural speaker. In fact, I think most of the people I've met at conferences who speak are introverts by nature. They're, they're, it's not that they love getting up in front of the crowd. They've just learned that it's not as scary as it seems initially. Uh, one great way to get started doing that, we talked about speaking at your company to your coworkers. There are also local opportunities with user groups where you can let them know you're interested in speaking on a certain topic. And very often they're scrambling to find people to fill the schedule. So you'd be surprised how often they'll jump on that chance to bring you in and if nothing else, do a, a short talk at the beginning of a session. Yeah, some user groups and even some conferences uh, like Codestock, for example, have something called a lightning talk. Uh, so if you haven't heard of a lightning talk before, that's uh, usually a five to 15 minute talk uh, that you can give very quickly, uh, hence the name. <laughs> and, um, you know, that, that gives you a way of uh, practicing your presence in front of people and, uh, you know, not having to commit to like a half an hour or an hour session where, you know, all the tension's focused on you. Um, and often lightning talks are done back to back with, you know, other folks. So you can you can see what the last person did. You can build off of their momentum. Um, and then, you know, you can also get feedback from those folks. Maybe they're, uh, you know, quote unquote professional speakers themselves. Maybe they have some feedback for you. So lightning talks could be a really easy way to get into, you know, talking if you're not comfortable being in front of people. Yeah, I think very often lightning talks can be on any topic. So you can pick anything you're passionate about. And it's surprising how quickly five minutes flies by when you're able to talk about something you love. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be work-related, like you know, like you're saying. It could be Game of Thrones. It could be Breaking Bad. It could be uh, retro video games. You know, anything that interests you. Uh, lightning talks usually um, don't have a, a strict focus, uh, even you know if the venue is you know tightly focused on you know agile or uh, software testing or development. One of the most memorable lightning talks I remember seeing was actually on gardening. And I'm not a gardener, but he was so passionate about what he was presenting that I found it really interesting. Was that by chance at Codepalooza? It probably was, yes. Okay, because I think I remember that as well. Uh, yeah, that actually was uh, liked by very many people. Uh, so we've covered, you know, you know speaking, uh, writing, uh, being online, polishing your resume. How do, how do you culminate all these things into, you know, getting yourself ahead and uh, you know, earning more money and being more valuable? Well, I think the biggest way is by building your network. And, and I don't mean networking in the sense of recruiters trying to add people to LinkedIn. I'm talking about creating real connections with people. Uh, when you go to a conference, uh, you meet lots of people. I mean, if you're willing to shake hands and get to know people, you make a lot of connections. But those connections don't really help you down the road unless you can nurture them. Uh, one thing I try to do is whenever I get somebody's business card, I write on the back of it where I met them and what I was talking about. And then as soon as possible, I write them a follow-up email saying, hey, I enjoyed meeting you at Codestock and discussing your podcast, and I'd love to follow up with you on that and chat about it more. Uh, that way they know the conversation did mean something to you. And it's also a personal note. If I ever run into that person or I hear their name, I can look in my email and, and jog my memory that where we met and what we discussed so, Gaines, I think this is a lot of valuable information for people to take and run with. Um, you know, we want to, uh, both of us, I think, in inspire people to uh, start blogging, maybe start speaking, uh, do more networking, you know, um, offline. Uh, and, 
all these things will eventually you know create connections that will in the end help you be a six-figure developer so thanks for doing the podcast really appreciate it thanks for having me it's been great and uh enjoy the rest of code stock 2015 thank you